Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast and the class today is dedicated in loving memory of Selim Moni Dahan Alava Shalom. Leilui Nishmat Shilomo Ben Rachel Alava Shalom. Sponsored by Peggy and Morris Dahan and family. And Hashem should send the family only the best of Nehama in everything uh, that they do. Uh, breakfast in the class is also dedicated in thanks to the esteemed rabbis and their staff for taking care of us with their wisdom, guidance, and patience. May they go from strength to strength in keeping our Jewish values and faith strong and unwavering, sponsored by the Mafar family. Hazako Baruch, thank you so much. Uh, Rabotai, where do we find Torah in the, the, the store? The, uh, a mention or an allusion to Hanukkah in the Torah. So we know that everything that uh, goes on in the entirety of the universe throughout all of human history has a place, uh, appears in the Torah in some way, shape, or form. And Hanukkah is no different. So where do we talk about Hanukkah? Now there's many different answers to this. Some of them a little bit more um, allegorical than others. You know, um, the, uh, as an example, there's many stops that the Jewish people stop in on the way in the desert. If you look at the 25th stop, the 25th stop, Chanu, which means they rested. Ka, Chanukah, when they rested on the 25th. What do you find over there? Where did they stay? They stayed in a place called Chashmona, right? Which is the Chashmonaim. Hazaku Baruch, wonderful. So you see, there's allegorical messages and... Um, and uh, intimations in the Torah about things that are going to happen in the future, and that's beautiful. However, I'm talking here not about the fact that something was going to take place, but uh, something where the Torah tells you about uh, Hanukkah. And f- for that, we're going to look at Parashat Baha'alotecha. The Pasuk tells us, by Hashem Moshe Lemor. God speaks to Moshe saying, this is right after they built the uh, Mishkan. Daber el Aaron, speak to Aaron and say to him, When you raise the nerot, the candles, opposite the menorah, that's when the, uh, the lights of the menorah, the seven candles of the menorah, the Beit HaMikdash, will burn and they will burn brightly. Rashi starts and asks and he quotes uh, the words of the Midrash. Rashi says as follows, we just got finished reading the Parashat Nesim, right? The end of Parashat Naso, right? Remember that? You know the bit that we read 12 times in a row, right? The story of the Nesim. So this... Uh, story of the Nisi'im where each one gave a korban, each one had a presence in the, uh, uh, in the sanctification of the Mishkan when they opened the Mishkan. Comes uh, the Midrash and says, how come we spoke about the parashah of the Nisi'im and then immediately talked about the menorah? Listen carefully, Rabotai, this is gold. Lefi shekishira'a aharon chanukat Nisi'im. Aharon saw the Chanukat Nesim, you saw that the, the, all of the heads of the tribes, each one gave a korban, and that's how they welcomed the Mishkan into existence. Chalsha da'ato, he felt bad, he felt terrible. Shelo imahem lohu velo shivato. In this uh, erection of the, of the Mishkan, of the temple, of the, uh, uh, of the Mizbeach, the, 
the bringing, you know, the starting of this new building, Aaron didn't have a part and Levi didn't have a part. So if you read, you see all the Nisi'im are there except for Shevet Levi and Aaron. Amarlo HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to him, Chayecha, I swear to you, Shelecha Gedola Mishelahem. Yours, your portion, Gedola is bigger Mishelahem than theirs. Shata Madlik, because you light and you refine and you clean out, you prepare the nerot of the, of the mishkan. Now, this is a very cryptic idea. What was the nechama, what was the comfort that Moshe was giving his brother Aharon? Yet yeah, they have this, the korbanot, they have the nisi'im brought, the, you know, that thing, and Levi was excluded and you weren't a part of it. You feel bad about it. Okay, great, don't worry. You know why? You're lighting the menorah. All the Mepharshim ask, hold on a second. Why then was he saying, you're lighting the menorah, why doesn't he say, you bring the korbanot? You do the ketoret. You do anything, anything in the temple is something that they don't do, right? So what is it about the hadlakat nerot that speaks to Aharon and is a comfort for him in the fact that he was left out of the story of the... Uh, of the, of the uh, Chanukat HaDanisim. And the Ramban writes over there, he says, what are we talking about over here? He said to him effectively, there's going to come a time when your children, your great-grandchildren, right? He was a Kohen Gadol Matityahu, okay? Now, these kids are all from the tribe of Aaron. You're worried that you're, you're not taking part in uh, starting the Mishkan? There'll come a time when it will be only your family. It won't be that you're going to be one of 12 or 13 Korbanot. You're going to be the only one. You're, it's going to be uh, dependent and called upon your name. Okay? That's the Nechama that Aaron was given. The Ramban says this idea, it's not that you light the candles in the Mishkan. Aaron had many jobs in the Mishkan that he could have been comforted with. What he was saying is that your thing is going to last forever. They will light candles in memory of the lighting of your grandchildren. They will light that forever. And you're beginning that process now. Rabotai, I saw in this story, in this little kind of snippet of conversation, Yours is greater than theirs. I saw in here something very, very powerful. And that is the power of Khalishut Hadat. The power of feeling bad. You see, one way of looking at this story is that God told Aharon, you know what, don't worry, you have something else. Focus on the positive. Another way of understanding this is that Aharon acquired the Zichut. He got, he merited that that zechut would belong to him. Why? Because of how badly he felt. Once upon a time, they dedicated the Mishkan. In the future time, they would dedicate temple in a way that would be, we would remember forever and ever and ever and ever. Rabotai, I was thinking a lot about this. You know, you think about the fact that at the time of, the te- at the time of Chanukah, the Jewish people were being persecuted. What happened? They fought back and, uh, you know, Baruch Hashem, things worked out well. Could you imagine if every time the Jewish people were being persecuted and they were saved, we had a holiday? 
We would never go to work, Rabotai. Our, our history is littered with stories. You know, go through the Nevi'im. You know, read about the wars where they came in and they were killing them and they were bu- and then they fought back and then they had, you know, peace and then they were dead. Right? Sancherev. Where's our holiday for the salvation from Sancherev? Anyone? You guys know that holiday? I don't know that holiday. Do you? No? That's the thing, right? That's what he's talking about. So the point over here is that Aharon... We, when he felt terrible about not being included, he, 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 he made a monumental shift, in effect, for the Jewish people. He imbued the Jewish people with a power called Chalishut Hadad. And let me explain a little bit what this mean, about what this means. You know, in, uh, in the world, if I see someone who has a beautiful car and I feel really bad I don't have it, you know, that doesn't change anything. If I feel really bad that I, you know, I did something wrong, I feel really bad about it, it doesn't change the story. Right? It doesn't change anything. Feeling bad doesn't change things. But in spirituality, it absolutely does. In fact, one of the cornerstones of teshuva is charata, feeling bad. Now again, I, I want to, I want to, I, I need to express this. It's a very powerful idea. Shilomo HaMelech, when he talks about how the Jewish people, uh, um, you know, how we miss God. Where he coins that terminology, he says, Ki ahava ani. I'm, I'm lovesick. When Hashem is not present in my life, or when I feel disconnected, or when I feel out of it, or when I go to shul and I'm just not... My prayers are not working. I'm sitting, I'm trying to learn Torah. It's just bland. It doesn't, it's not exciting. I'm trying to do the mitzvah. It just feels like another saf. Another guy found a way to charge me more money to do something. When I'm not connected, I'm, I'm, I'm craving those feelings of connection. Anyone here, I'm sure you could tell me that there's a moment in your tefillah on Yom Kippur where you, uh, you know, you felt the goosebumps. You were praying and you felt such an element of dvekut, of connection that uh, you, your soul, it's, it's simply, it soars into the air. Right? We all know what that feeling feels like. When you help someone and the person, his eyes are filled with tears of gratitude, they're looking at you. You feel like you're breathing spiritual air, like you're kind of touching another place, another planet. You know, it's a fascinating thing. That experience, Rabotai, comes from the feeling of rikuk, of distance, that causes a person to want to draw close. Aaron was blessed with maybe more connection than almost any person that ever lived on the face of the planet. He was the Kohen Gadol, but not a Kohen Gadol. He was the archetype Kohen Gadol. He was the Navi. He was a brother of Moshe Rabbeinu. It says he dies when Aaron, a Kohen, dies. He dies mitat nishika. Just the Malach Mavit comes close to him. So, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes close to him. Malach Mavit's not even present. His Nishama senses God and from the amount of closeness of Dvekut that he has with God, his Nishama just jumps. That's it, Khalas. That's his death. Unbelievable. Mitat Nishika. God comes close, so to speak, gives him a kiss. And the soul that was once taken from a piece of God, a Chelek Elokami Ma'al, reunifies with God with, with God. It's unbelievable. 
That's Aaron HaKohen, right? This is such a holy person. But Rabotai, what he gave us was this feeling that if there's something, an element of Kiddushah, something that's going on out there that's a good project, it's a good thing, I want a piece of that. And it felt, he felt terrible that he didn't have a piece. You know, everybody here in this room has maybe a, a tzedakah that's close to them. Yeah, anyone here? You have a tzedakah that you, that you feel is close to your heart? Yeah, you have someone? Yeah, you got something? Everybody's got something. So when their guy comes to town, they want to tell the guy, hey, you know my guy over here, you don't know his yeshiva, this guy has a mikveh, you don't forget about it. The other guy, this guy has, he helps orphans, it's the most amazing program. Now, let me be honest with you. The nature of Am Yisrael is that we're such a good people that any tzedakah that you find, that you love, I could find you 10 like it. That's the scary thing, right? It's scary not because, uh, not because it's a bad thing. It's scary because all of these things, they need money. They need, you know, they need to turn the mill, like they say. You know, en kemach, en Torah. But, every, but for some reason, you would need lack, maybe because you have a personal relationship with the guy who runs the organization. That's usually what it is. You took a liking to him, he took a liking to you, he shows you his things, now you want to tell everyone about the tzedakah. There's other ones that are just like it. But this is my, he's my guy. This is my person. This is my organization. Someone comes and they're asking you for something else. What do you say, my... I said, that guy's tied up. I'm investing over there. Yeah, I, you know, you're telling me about yeshiva? You don't know. I have six yeshivas I give money to. You want me to tell about orphan? Have I got an orphan for you? Right? This is amazing. It's a strange thing, this. But this is the truth. Aharona Kohen gave us the model where a person could have so much spirituality and not feel that when there was an opportunity for something else to say, I have enough. But he wanted more and more and more and more. Rabotai, the miracle of Hanukkah happens because of Halishut Hadat. Because of a person, a person felt bad. You know, at every moment in the Hanukkah story, there was, no, there was a reason why they should not start the rebellion. But there came a moment when Matityahu Kohen Gadol, when they're in Bet HaMikdash, and they come along and they want to sacrifice a pig on the Mizbeah, not only to uh, injure them, and to, but also to add the insult to the injury. And he stands up with his knife on the, on the uh, mizbech as if he's going to do the korban. Right? And then in the last moment, right before, uh, he, they have him, he jumps from the mizbech and he starts the rebellion by plunging the knife into the heart of this Greek commander, this commander who'd killed fathers and, and, door, and, and husbands and wives Children, they were hanging children and throwing them off uh, the rooftops. I mean, crazy for doing Brit Milah. In that moment, everything changed. But that came from a feeling, Rabotai. I need, I need to, it's an it's a, it's a interesting point and it's a subtle point I'm trying to make. Oftentimes, the most important things in Judaism are not mitzvot. It's not a, Torah, a piece of Torah that you learned. It's not a mitzvah that you achieve. The most important things in Judaism can be a feeling that you feel. It's an interesting thing, that, isn't it? You know? That that chalishut hadat, that that moment of anger, of righteous anger that Matityahu felt in that moment, how could it be? How could it be that HaKadosh Baruch Hu's temple is being destroyed, defiled like this? How could it be that someone is running roughshod over the entirety of our people? 
How can it be that we're being oppressed and repressed? How can such a thing be? It can't be. Now, I always say this. Did Matityahu have a plan? Did they have some sort of strategy? Did they know what they were going to do? Did they have an army behind them? They had nothing. What did he have? What did he have? He had a feeling that was so strong, a feeling that this is so not right, that I have to do something. And that feeling made, made him do something, even though there was nobody behind him. But I want to point this out, Rabotai. Without that brazen act, would anything have happened? Would anyone have gotten behind him? So the entirety of the story of Hanukkah can be traced back to a moment of such uh, a feeling of wanting to do something to rectify that injustice, a desire to change that status quo that was so strong that said, I don't even know what I'm going to do or how I'm going to fix it, but I have to do something. That's the Khalishut Hadat of Matityahu Kohen Gadot. And it came from something that his great-great-grandfather had all that time ago. And Ramban said to him, you want to know where your part in this is? Your part is madlik You light and you prepare the candles. That Khalishut Hadat was poured into the menorah. And many, many, many decades later, it would emerge in the great-grandchildren of, his, of this man, Rabotai. I'd like to share that that story of Aharon and his great-grandchildren is our story as well. Now, the, the purity of his devotion, the, the intensity of his emotion resulted in the story of the Chashmonaim. But for us, perhaps our dream is not for our great-grandchildren to lead a rebellion against uh, Russia or, uh, you know, uh, maybe that's not what we dream of. But we do dream about, like Rabbi Sachs used to say, shalom. will my grandchildren be Jewish? Everybody, according to their definition, if you're not religious at all, you're hoping that your sons, your daughters, your grandchildren all marry Jews. And we think it's a foregone conclusion that that's going to happen if we're in the Syrian community where the numbers are low or if we're uh, in, you know, in a Torah community where the numbers are low. We think it's a foregone conclusion, but I keep saying this to people. You know who else thought it was a foregone conclusion that their grandchildren would be Jewish? Our great-grandparents. Go back enough three generations, four generations, that guy who's now married to someone who's not Jewish, his great-great-great-grandfather is also your great-great-grandfather. He also thought that it would be okay. Rabotai, how do we protect our generations. Take a page out of Aharona Kohen's book. You put a feeling into your kids. You make them see how terrible you feel. That, you know, he's doing, he's connecting with God every second of every day. But there was a mitzvah that came along. And I, me, not me, not my family, not my shevet. And we had no part of it. His kids saw how badly he was bothered that he couldn't be part of the mitzvah. You don't have money to give a poor person because you don't have money on you. But there's different ways to say, I don't have money. Isn't there? Sometimes you tell the guy, he, 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 he. Right? And sometimes you say, Michila, I'm sorry, I, I don't have anything. With, I wish I could help you. It's such a different ball game. 
How many times have I got blessings on the streets of New York City? Because some homeless guy, not Jewish people, standing on the street, homeless, some of them drug addicts, no question, they'll ask me for money, and I don't, I don't carry money with me anymore. I, you know, if the guy had a, you know, a machine, I could tap my phone, <laughs> you know, give him a dollar, but you know, I, I don't carry ca So I tell him, I'm, I, you say, I'm so sorry, and you don't, the blessings I get from homeless people on the street, wow, you know, God bless you, no, no worries, you know, so nice of you, for what? to share and to communicate that although I can't do the mitzvah, I wish I could. Your kids see that. You planted a feeling in your children. There's an incredible emotion, excitement when you go to shul, you want to go to shul. Not like, come on, we're late, let's go. What's going on? What kind of bum? Oh, if you, you, know, if you have to get up to go to your friend's house, then you get up on time. But for shul, you never get... That, then that's the feeling you gave to your children about the mitzvah, a feeling of negativity, you know? The opposite, excitement. That's why, I always say, that's why I became the candy man in the shul. So that when the kids come to the synagogue, I think as important as a child praying in synagogue is a child having a lollipop in synagogue. Because that lollipop, it takes the place and it turns it into a place that it's sweet. Rabotai, don't, never, never underestimate the power of feeling how one chalishut hadat from Aaron HaKohen could result in a miracle that we're celebrating in each and every home today. Rabotai, that is the power of feeling. Baruch Amen Amen.